solitary, in families. I thank you that you are the God that cares for us, that loves us, that never leaves us alone. And I thank you that you help us as we turn to the scripture uh, for your guidance today. I pray that you would open our spiritual eyes, that you would help us to understand what it is that you want to say to us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Uh, Before introducing my topic this morning, I just want to read a couple of verses to you from the screen, okay? Okay. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become, how do you say that? The youths? The youths? The youths, I always hear a New York accent when I see that word, I'm sorry. They're two youths. Sorry. Even the youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. From Psalm 138 and from Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. Now, as has been mentioned earlier today, um, we have a number of people in the church, I would say the highest percentage we've had Uh, in the last few years, uh, that are going through either the loss of a loved one, a family member, or a challenging life circumstance of some sort. And um, I want you to know that God is with you. And I I want you also to be encouraged to love on each other. Uh, Looking around the room, you can recognize a lot of faces that are not here today. And that's because some people are in a great deal of physical pain today under doctor's care. Uh, Some are um, needed to be elsewhere for the sake of other things that were going on. I would encourage you to to make a phone call, to send a message, and to encourage each other. God loves you. When we are tired, God is not. God is not. He is strong. And one of the amazing things that I loved to see yesterday with uh, 20 adults from our church serving families that have gone through great loss was that I know that most of you were already in a challenging life circumstance. But you chose to not stay at home. You chose to come and you chose to serve anyway. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? The Bible says that the Lord refreshes those who refresh others. That's the kind of God that we serve. This morning, I want to talk about faith in the face of disappointment. We picked up um, our theme for the year um, in January on growing in faith talking about faith, what is faith. 
defining it. You can still on our website or iTunes go back and listen to the messages. You can see the notes on the website. And even for your benefit this week, I posted a list of Bible studies that we've done this year for you. Um, that you can use as in a time of help. Real simple. You can read them on your phone, on your web browser. You can read them right there. Go through the scriptures and be encouraged because we understand from scripture that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That faith is an assurance. It is a confident hope that what we cannot see is real and will happen. Right? Now, we talked about a functional definition of faith as being, I see what God sees, I agree with God, and I take action. Right? I see what God sees, I agree with what God says, and I take action. That includes, that definition includes the initiation of faith, which starts from God, Right? The scripture refers to Jesus as the initiator, the author, the one who begins my faith, and the one who completes my faith. Right? Our faith is initiated in Jesus, it is completed in Jesus. Now, faith in the face of disappointment. This is um, a big subject in scripture. This is a a real subject in life, one that's been written about a lot, talked about a lot, and in no way in the next 20 minutes am I going to be able to give you an exhaustive teaching on the subject. I, I would tell you this, God cares about this. God knows that we would go through disappointment. One of his names, Yahweh El Roy, the God who sees, God sees, as David wrote Psalm 16, what is coming ahead of me. In Psalm 139, David writes about the fact that God sees the hours. He sees the days. He sees what was coming my way. Nothing that happens in our life surprises God. Now, God did not initiate those negative things that came, but he does allow it. And that's a deep mystery. And that's a difficult thing for us. And we don't understand. And even people asked Jesus in Luke 13, what about this accident that occurred where this tower fell on some people? Did that happen to them because they were sinners? And Jesus' answer is confusing. They're basically saying, they're asking the same question that Job's friends asked him. And that is, did this catastrophe occur to you because you're a bad person or you're hiding some secret sin. And Jesus says to them, he says, listen, that's not for you to know. That's between God and them. But I say to you, repent or you will perish. Jesus says, listen, don't worry about if something bad happened to someone else. Worry about you in the state of your spirit, in the state of your soul. Where are you with God? Repent of your sins. Receive the grace, receive the forgiveness of God. Now, you may or may not know, but Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible we call the Pentateuch, are the origin story of our world and God setting things in order, setting things in motion. But they were not the first book of the Bible to be written down. They were memorized and passed down from generation to generation. Memorized word for word. The first book of the Bible to be written down is the book of Job. And I think there's a reason for that. This story of suffering, this story of God, my heart was in the right place. I was serving you and yet this catastrophe came on me. I don't understand. Frustration with God, anger with God, disappointment with God, he is not afraid of. 
It is okay to cry out, to experience grief. And I want to be clear, today I'm not talking about the grief of death. Because Christians can try to sweep that under the carpet too quick and it not be, grief cannot be experienced in a healthy way. We understand we were created in God's image and as such God has emotions and God experiences loss. And when we experience loss in this world, we should go through grief in a healthy way. Not try to pretend that it's not there. When we experience that grief, it is because God created us for relationship and for relationship without end. Okay? God created us for heaven, for an uninterrupted, when did death come in? Death came in as a part of the curse of sin when Adam and Eve, you guys remember the story we've been talking about last few weeks? Death came in at that point. When God created us, He created us to live on this earth to live forever, to have relationship without end. And so when death comes into our life, we grieve. It's horrible. It's horrific. It's depressing. It's tragic because it's not what we're created for. We yearn for heaven to be with our loved ones because that's what we're created for. Fellowship, relationship, peace, and joy that does not have interruption. The interruption of selfishness and hurting each other, the interruption of disease, the interruption of death. And so grief is healthy. God feels grief. God is angry. Read your Bible. God gets angry at the separation that should not have occurred, yet he allows it and we don't always understand it. And yet we are called to come to him with faith in the face of disappointment. If you, if what I'm saying is touching a nerve, I would encourage you to read a really good book by one of the few authors who've lived in our day that is truly excellent. That's Philip Yancey's book, Disappointment with God. You can get a paper back copy of it for probably a dollar fifty on Amazon. Disappointment with God. I really recommend um, that for reading. But in my few remaining moments, I want to talk about faith in the face of disappointment. Now, please understand what I'm saying. I'm not talking about when you're grieving death. Okay, I'm talking about later in the process. Does everyone understand what I mean? Right. Okay, so grief is healthy. Okay, but your disappointment with God may be over a variety of other subjects. And I want to take us to Philippians. But before you turn there, let me just set the stage and tell the story a little bit, okay? Paul, in his first trip to the city of Philippi, goes with Silas. And you can see the story in Acts 16. And he, as he does everywhere else, just like Jesus, who said, I come to seek and save the lost... Paul looks for people that are not believers in Jesus. He finds them. He does what Jesus told the disciples to do, and that is to urge as many as possible, regardless of ethnicity, urge them to become followers of Jesus. And so Paul does that. Now, one thing that happens as a result of that disrupts a way that some people were making money off of sin. And so what they do is they take them to the Roman officials and they have them beaten with rods. They're beaten with sticks, stripped down, beaten, and then thrown into jail. Now, this was an injustice because Paul was a Roman citizen and you're supposed to have a trial before any punishment was put in. But they don't give him a trial, as was just. They beat him with sticks. They throw him in the jail and not even a room with a view. They throw him in the deep, dark, inner dungeon. 
And how do Paul and Silas respond? In the night, they sing praises to God. Now, we have no scripture that says that Paul was a good singer. Thank you. It doesn't matter. Prayer, singing, that's for everyone. Right? So Paul and Silas in the jail cell, they sing. What happens? An earthquake comes, shakes the place. The doors of the jail cells are busted open. And the jailer, the guy responsible, the warden of the jail, is sure that they've all taken off, that they've all left. So he draws his sword to kill himself. Paul must have heard the sword being drawn from the sheath and says, Wait! Stop! We're still here. The warden of the jail can't believe that they didn't take off running, asks them questions, and Paul and Silas lead them to follow Jesus. But it was from this story of joy in the face of disappointment. So let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. So if you flip to the middle of your Bible, start turning towards the right. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we get Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Okay? Philippians chapter 4. Oh, we do have extra Bibles if you need one. Just wave, we'll we'll bring you a Bible. Okay, Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 4, okay? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you learned from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. After this passage is where we have the famous verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we have here, and because my my time is short, I'm not going to walk through all of the spiritual truths of one of my favorite passages, but I want to give you some practical things that we can do. Okay? Practical things that we can do. Now, be full of joy. Now, this is funny Because this is an essential part. No one in this, everyone in this church would either have known Paul and been in a personal relationship with him, or they would know somebody who was in a personal relationship with Paul. Everyone at this point would know the story of the jail cell and the songs and the singing after having been beaten. And so choosing joy in the face of contrary circumstances when things are bad Turning your blues, which there's blues in the Psalms, turning your blues into joy with that, which that is also in the Psalms. Jesus and, and, and Jesus and David and Paul, they all they, they followed the example that was set earlier, right? 
turning my, hey, things are bad, things are hard, and yet I will praise the Lord. This was a lesson that is rich in the scripture that was something that was important to them. Choosing joy. Now, how do I do that when things are bad? Am I fake? Am I a psycho? Am I on some really good pills? No. It is making a choice. One of the Bible studies that I posted this week is joy is a choice. It's making a choice in the face of difficult circumstances that I will rejoice, I will choose joy. This is the word that is used most often in this letter at 18 times. The word that is used second most is mind and the mindset. This letter is very much about all of Philippians 1, 2, 3, 4, is about this what's going on in my mind and making a choice to choose joy. So how do we do that? That sounds strange, that sounds difficult, right? Because what we're not talking about is faking it. What we're not talking about is laughing when we're crying. God cries with us. What we are talking about is making a decision. How do I make that decision? I'm so glad you asked. Here are the steps in front of you this morning. Don't worry. 365 occasions in the scriptures of fear not or don't worry. One for every day of the year. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Now, this is a practice that works. This is something that you can choose to do, and it's not easy. I could talk about that for a month. It's been a very important lesson in my life, but it's one that you can, with intentional relationships here within the church, you can encourage each other and help each other with how to do that. But every morning, and, and oftentimes, especially now with this gimpy leg, before I even get out of bed, I'm making a decision. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust God with everything I've got, and I'm going to pray about everything that's on my mind. Are you with me? Now, that's time-consuming. Are you starting to pick up on that? That takes some time. So it's good to turn off everything with a screen and give God some time. Going through difficulties is much easier when you're feeding your spirit. When you're giving your spirit a chance to get stronger. And you can't give your spirit a chance to get stronger without choosing to take time to feed it. Are you with me? Now, one part is in scripture, one part is in prayer, but one part is an intentional decision. Don't worry about anything. God's got it under control. Pray about everything. The next things that he says here is fix your thoughts. And he gives us a list of things that I can fix my thoughts on. I choose, even when things are difficult, to focus on the things that are good. And one of the things that has really helped me Something that I do when it's a normal day and something that I do when times are tough is I will sit down and I will block out everything else and I will write a list of all the good things. I like coffee. I like food. I like being outdoors. I like being alone just like Ben. I like being quiet. I like being in nature. I like to hear the wind in the trees. It reminds me that God is spirit. It reminds me of Jesus' words in that regard. I like, I love God. I love the fact that He loves me, that He's quick to forgive me, that I should be quick to receive His forgiveness. I write a list of the things I love about my wife. I write a list about the things I love about my kids. And this helps me when I'm irritated with them. What, what? 
write a list of the good things. Fix your thoughts on the good things. And when you fix your thoughts on the good things, we put into practice. That's what he says. Put into practice the things that I told you, the things that I showed you. How can we as Christians today know what on earth he's talking about if I don't read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts? You don't have a chance as a believer to get this peace that passes all understanding, this peace that goes beyond what I can understand, if you're not giving your spirit a chance to understand what he's talking about. Okay? It's good. It comes easier than you might think, but it does require time. It does require effort. It does require you making a decision. I fix, I don't worry about anything. I pray about everything. I fix my thoughts on what is good, and then I do stuff. I put it into practice, just like preaching to the choir, so to speak, all of you yesterday, giving to others, even when you're not feeling good. Rebecca, uh, uh, Erica, after knee surgery, standing in pain, giving to other people, right? Ronald Jr. and his father, right after losing Eulalia, they're there, they're handing out food, Right? Fix my thoughts on what is good and put it into practice. Now, what happens as a result of that is the God of peace is with you. This practice that he's talking about, there's a result. And that is joy, that is peace, that is faith. And what he's really talking about with this joy word is a state of being. It includes laughter, it includes being happy, but it's more than that. It's a resolve, it's a confidence, it's an endurance yeah, I know that these dirty words we use on Sunday, endurance. It is an endurance. It is a strength that builds in my spirit that is a state of being. When I am, some of you around when I talked about lift, in a life of pressure, you can experience lift. And that is when God is the force that is strongest in your life. When you focus on God more than you focus on anything else, you can't help but go up. You can't help but be happy. You can't help but be able to carry the weight you were designed to carry, to move in the direction you were designed to move, and to move at the speed that God designed you to move in. When you are more focused on God than anything else, you will experience lift. A state of being that guards our hearts, guides our lives in Jesus. I want to give you an example to think on, and then I'm going to pray to close. The grass cutter ant of Argentina is unique. They go out and they cut down tons of this thick, tall grass in Argentina. And they carry it to these burrows, these nests. And I put a small picture because I know some of you don't like bugs. They carry it to these small nests. They dig these holes down to a fungus that grows underground that is found nowhere else in the world but in Argentina. The ants, they can't digest the grass. But this fungus can digest the grass. And so these ants have figured a way to have a constant food source. They're really smart farmers. They're ingenious farmers. They carry this grass to the fungus. The fungus digests the grass and then produces their food and they feed on the fungus. Now what happens through life, just like your life and in my life, there is exhaust. Carbon dioxide is released in mass by this fungus. And so what the ants have done is they have created ingeniously designed exhaust vents. 
that vent the carbon dioxide, and that's all the some of these holes, the sharp, pointy ones, like that one, kind of up there. They they exhaust the carbon dioxide so that the ants can still breathe, and then the holes that they dig in brings in the oxygen that they can breathe. When I fix my thoughts on what is good, when I don't worry, when I pray about everything, when I fix my thoughts on what is good, when I put that into practice, my life has a healthy exhaust and intake. Are you with me? You can't go through life without experiencing disappointment. We're all going to experience disappointment. And whether it's exhaustion, depression, anxiety, um, whatever it is, we're going to have things that need to be exhaust. And God, Christianity is not about faking it. Christianity is not about pretending that life isn't hard. Christianity is not about pretending that you don't have pain. I'm in pain right now. I'm honest about that. I'm not pretending it doesn't exist, but I'm also going to do stuff about it today. I got to do my stretches, my exercises, and ice it and take medication. God, there's natural principles of healing. There's natural principles of life that also apply in the spiritual principle of what God wants us to do. When I put this into practice, when I choose, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to fix my thoughts on what is good. I am going to put it into practice. Then I can experience joy that you can't even understand. One of the things that I admired so much about Eulalia is that even through a difficult journey in battling cancer, she had a supernatural peace. I know it frustrated some people, but I talked with Eulalia more than a number of family members. She would talk to me. She would open up to me. And here's what I can tell you. She had a supernatural peace in the face of the battle for her life. And I know that that was partially because she was putting this into practice. And last Sunday when we found out she passed away, I was really disappointed. I cried. I'm going to miss her. I can't wait to see her in heaven. And there needs to be a healthy grieving process. There's got to be a healthy grieving process. But somewhere at the end of the tunnel in the grieving process, for whatever you're facing today, or whoever is listening to this recording, going through difficult life circumstances, God loves you. He is with you. And there is a faith in the face of disappointment that is life-changing. Will you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. If you're here today and you've never before accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we want to pray with you. We want to give you an opportunity to do so. So please don't leave until you've grabbed someone and asked them to pray with you that you can receive this grace, this peace from Jesus. Let's bow our heads to close in prayer. And if you need that encouragement, you need that peace that passes understanding today, just raise your hand and I want to pray with you. God, I thank you. 
that you see where life is difficult. That you're not surprised when we suffer loss. You're not surprised when we're disappointed. That you feel our pain, that you cry with us. I thank you that Scripture says that Jesus, even now, is at the right hand of the Father praying for us. And that we know that even today, Eulalia is joining the prayers of Jesus in praying for us. I thank you, God, that in the loss of a job and financial difficulties and broken relationships and hardship and illness and whatever brings us disappointment, that you've not left us without instruction, that you've not left us without help, that you feel our pain, that you have the power to bring us healing, that you have the power to bring us strength. And right now today, I pray that you'd reach out to everyone in this room, in our church, at home, abroad, wherever they are today, with a supernatural peace that guards our hearts and guides our lives. I thank you that you are real, that you are able, you're alive, you're aware of what's going on in us, and that you care for us. Let there be healing in our church today, in our physical bodies, in our spirits, and in our emotions. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please don't leave today without taking advantage of what we have available for you to drink and eat um, in the coffee shop. Um, and to just uh, love on each other, encourage each other. Grace and peace to you today as you go. Have a great week. Thanks for being here today.